take your Bible today and let's turn together to the book of John chapter 13 and also to the book of Revelation chapter 1. I do not know of three more precious words in the English language than the theme of our service today. Jesus loves me. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. was a unique man. He came out of the country of uh, Alabama, South Alabama. He had a way of being able to take uh, incredible truths and put them in homespun ways and make people to understand great, deep philosophical things, Christian philosopher at its best. And uh, I, I suppose one of the things that hit my heart was he said, he said, I've had many great thoughts in my life, but he said the two greatest thoughts that I've ever had in my life, number one, is that I'm going to live somewhere forever. He said, one day it dawned on me, I was walking down a country road and it dawned on me, I'm going to live somewhere forever. And he said, that was one of the greatest thoughts. And he said, the other great thought is that Jesus loves me. The two greatest thoughts that have ever crossed my mind, he said, was number one, that I'm going to live somewhere forever. And number two, that Jesus loves me. And I want to deal with those, that last one. I want to deal this morning with the theme of Jesus loves me. I want every boy and girl in our church to know this great truth that Jesus loves them. I want every young parent to know that Jesus loves them. I want every teenager, I want every uh, senior adult, I want every single in our church, every person to understand three things at least. First of all, that God is real. And secondly, that Jesus is God. And thirdly, that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. If we can make God to our little ones, it's amazing how faith will take root in the heart of boys and girls. The heart of children is fertile ground for tremendous faith. I heard about one little child who was just bragging on Jesus and an old atheist came up to him. There are always those gainsayers. You know, there's always people who try to knock, knock someone down who's trying to do something. And this old atheist came up and said, well, little one, just tell me where God is. And that little one just brightened up and said, well, mister, I'll tell you where God is if you'll tell me where God ain't. Amen. That's pretty good philosophy right there. That's theology. You can live with that. Why? Because he's everywhere. That's why. When I get up in the morning, he'll be there. When I lay down tonight, he'll be there. When I walk on the valley, he'll be there. When I walk in the mountain, he'll be there. He's there in the sunshine. He's there in the shadows. Jesus is always there. You tell me where he ain't, mister, and I'll tell you where he is. I never will forget a little boy that was born in the church. Nadel and I were still young, our oldest son. In fact, this little boy was the same age as our oldest son, Randy. He was growing up in the church. He was in the preschool department. Been over to our house to play several times. His mom was a faithful member of our church. His dad came, but he was not a Christian yet. And one day they discovered that little Greg had cancer. And through the months that followed, there was many, many months of going to the hospital and treatments and so forth. But you could see his little body begin to just go away and, 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 and fade away and get smaller and smaller. And that old disease was having its full work in his little body. 
Maydell would hold little Greg, and every time she'd hold him in the hospital, he'd want her to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. She would sing it, seemed like by hours, and rock that little boy. When he died, I think he was four or five years old, when he died, he weighed less than 20 pounds. But anytime she'd come in the room and she'd pick him up, he'd want her to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And a little, seemed like a little uh, uh, relief would come across his face. Jesus loves me. Folks, I want to ask you a question today. Do you know for sure that Jesus loves you? That's the greatest knowledge in all the world. If we can know Jesus loves us. My dad turned 74 yesterday. I called him and talked to him. He's been preaching 54 years. And I said, now, how are things going, Pop? He said, oh, they're going great. And I got to thinking last night, after preaching 54 years and knowing hundreds and hundreds of songs, you know what my daddy's favorite song is? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I never will forget the story of great singer Jerome Hines when he got saved. He was an opera star, metropolitan opera star, basso profundo, what a tremendous voice he had. And one of the first times he ever was going to perform in a church setting after he had received Christ as his Savior, everybody wondered what this great singer would sing when he stood before people. What in the world would he sing? And, and that, he was a tall, big fellow, and he, and he stood up before that great crowd. And the organist gave him the key, and he began to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen and amen. And I want you to have three things to take home with you today. First of all, I want you to take just the name of Jesus because Jesus is the greatest person in all the world, in all the universe. And then add to that Jesus loves. Why, here we have the greatest power in all the universe. In fact, the Bible says that love is stronger than death. Jesus loves. That's the greatest power. But then when you put it all together, Jesus loves me. You have the greatest promise in the whole world. Jesus, the greatest person. Jesus loves the greatest power. Jesus loves me, the greatest promise in the whole world. Let's look at that just for a moment. Here you have in John chapter 13. Hope you still have your Bible open there because in the first verse, they were making preparation for the Passover. And John is looking back on this scene and he's remembering the scene as he remem and he's remembering Christ. And he says here now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that the hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He loved them unto the end. Hold your place right there and go to the last book written by John on the Isle of Patmos, the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. In most of our Bibles, it says the revelation of St. John the Divine, but that really isn't right. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ written by John about him. And in verse 5, it says, 
He's talking to the churches. He says, this is John to the seven churches, verse 4. Grace and peace be unto you, and so forth from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him, look at this now, that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God, unto him that hath loved us. And that word love there is in a wonderful tense. It, he was writing, he said he loved us. He loved us before the world was ever formed. He loved us when he was on the earth. He loves us now. He'll always love us. Most of you, if you have a concordance in your Bible, it will actually put in the, in the flyleaf there, loveth us. My old Schofield Bible here, it says, He loveth us, present tense, because it's always present tense with the Lord. He loveth us. Jesus loves me. Well, let's think about this Jesus for a moment today. We've come to sit at His feet. Ah, we want to make much of Jesus today. Jesus loves me. You say, preacher, why? Because He's the one who makes the sour places sweet. Why, He's the one who takes broken hearts and puts them back together again. Why, Jesus is the one that makes dirty people clean inside. Why, Jesus is the one that takes poor people and makes them rich. I was singing, thinking about that song, Brother Hess. Tenor a cottage, why do I care? They're building a mansion for me over there. The poorest little old boy in this town, when he finds Jesus, becomes a child of the King, folks. He becomes an heir, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Boy, Christ can take those who are poor in this world and make them rich in faith and rich in position and rich in what they are in possessions. He's the one. He can take unhappy people and make them glad. He can take lost people and make them saved, praise the Lord. He can take critical people and make them kind. You see, this is Jesus we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the one that John said who was and is and is to come. This is the one who laid down his life that all of us might have life. Three things about this name that I think are important. First of all, I believe it's the sweetness of it is important. It's a sweet name. Secondly, it is a saving name. And third, it is a sovereign name. When you think about the name of Jesus, Old blind Bartimaeus over there in Mark chapter 10, they said, and when he heard that it was Jesus, he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Shh, hold up. Don't, don't speak like that. Uh, this, you'll disturb. And he said, I'm not, that's Jesus. Why, that's not somebody else. That's Jesus. And Jesus will help me. Jesus loves me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, what a sweet name. It's the name people say in the dark. It's the name that they say at night. Jesus, the sweetest name. More songs have been written about the name of Jesus than all other subjects put together in the world. No, not one. None else could heal all my soul's diseases. No, not one. No, not one. It's sweet because of who he is. It's sweet because of what he does. His name is sweet because of why he came. You think about this. Jesus came from absolute perfection into a world that was marred 
I mean, folks, you think about this whole world we live in. You say, preacher, I, I, I notice that you preach a lot of encouragement. I preach a lot of encouragement. I'll tell you why. Because everybody I know is having it tough in one way or another. This old world, we, we walk around in a world that's just needy in problems and failures and how silly we are when we start trying to criticize somebody else. Uh, somebody the other night said, you know, when we point one finger to somebody else, we got four pointing back to us. You know why? None of us are perfect. This preacher's not perfect. This staff's not perfect. This choir's not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. I mean, folks, we walk around as cripples in a land of cripples. We are, we are imperfect people. But praise God, one came to this world who was perfect. He stood in perfection. And why did he leave perfection to come to this world and what it is? He came so he could rescue us. He came so he could redeem us. His name is sweet. Oh, it's sweet. We used to sing that little song, Sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus, what a wonder you are. You're fairer than the morning star. Amen. His name is sweet. It's a sweet name. It's a saving name. Do you, have you reminded yourself what Acts chapter 4 says recently? Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Why, there's only one name that you can be saved in. I mean, all other names pale into insignificance when it comes down to the real issues of life. God is real. Jesus is God. Jesus loves me. Jesus can save me. That's why he came. It's a saving name. Matthew, it says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. But I want to tell you something else. Sweetness does not have to mean weakness. Hallelujah. Just because you're sweet doesn't mean you have to be weak. You say, why so, preacher? Because the one who is the sweetest of all the sweet, the one who is more precious than all the others put together, is not only sweet, and he's not only Savior. Bless God, he is sovereign. He's sovereign God. He is the one who will sit on the throne that all the peoples of all the ages will walk before him. He sits on two thrones. He sits on that judgment seat of Christ and all of us who are saved will stand before him and we will give an account of every word and every deed and every thought and every intent of the heart, the Bible says. Can you imagine that? I'm going to give an account to Jesus Christ of every word that I speak. I'm going to give an account to him of every thought that I think. I'm going to give an account to him of every deed that I do, every deed that I do. I'm going to give an account to that one who is sovereign. And he is going to be the one to whom I answer. But bless God, he's also going to sit on the great white throne judgment. And before him will pass all of those who rejected him as their Savior. They re did not receive him. They turned away from him in unbelief. And the eyes of him... They said, uh, John says in Revelation, 
will be like the eyes look if you were looking right into the very sun his feet will be like molten brass he will shine as a star if you could look right into a star and and they'll stand before him and they'll plead but that voice my that voice that even in his weakness they said we're looking for Jesus he said I am he and the Bible says that when they came in the garden to find Jesus and he identified himself I am he the Bible says that those old soldiers fell on the ground before his voice and he in weakness and he in the flesh but when he stands in his glorified body there that day before all of those he'll say to them depart from me I never knew you he is the sweet one. He is the saving one. And bless God, He is the sovereign one. He is the one who holds the stars in His hand. He's Jesus. But isn't it amazing? That Jesus loves. That's the greatest power. Loves. Think about His love for with me for a moment. His love is first of all without beginning. You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? The Bible says, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. What do you mean, preacher? He loved us before we were ever born. In fact, He died for us before we were ever born. Isn't that amazing? He loved us before He ever spoke the stars into their place. He loved us before there was ever a Garden of Eden. He loves us with an everlasting love. When this old world rolls up like a scroll, it's like a shade. When it's rolled up and there is no more, His love will still be that which keeps us. He loves. His love is an everlasting love. I thought about this. Two of those little ones came by were our grandchildren. I remember when our children started coming along. After about three, we, we hesitated to call Maydell's mother again. We'd call her and Maydell would have to work up to it and she'd say, Mama, I'm going to have a, a, a baby. And she'd say, another one, honey. Don't you think you've done your part to populate the world? You know, and, uh, but you know, when we found out that we were going to have a baby, Something happens in the heart of a mother. Before that baby's ever born, that mother loves that baby. Before she ever knows what it looks like. But that love has a beginning. It has a beginning. When you think about a friend, somebody said, if you have five friends that are really, really true friends, you're a very fortunate person. But every friendship had a beginning. Every one of them. There was a time when you didn't know that friend, but then you met them and it became a friend. The love of husband and wife is a wonderful thing. I love my wife more than I could ever tell her. I could never show her. I love her. But there was a time I didn't even know her. I didn't even know who she was. I didn't even know her name. Then I found her. Boing. Whew. Took me almost a year to get up courage to ask her for a date. I was afraid I'd overwhelm her. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> but folks, listen. There's never been a time when Jesus didn't love you. His love 
is without beginning. It's without boundaries. Romans chapter 8 said, what shall separate us from the love of God? Height, depth, anything else? What can separate us? Nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. I mean, like one old man said, it's so high, I can't get over it. It's so low, I can't get under it. It's so wide, I can't get around it. I just got to go in at the door. Amen. It's without boundary. It's without benefit. He loved us. Freely, he loved us condescendingly. He loved us. He washed us. Though there in Revelation chapter 1, boy, it just gripped my heart. It says, he loved us. He washed us. He made us. Hallelujah. We didn't do anything. All of it is from him. That's the kind of love that he has. But I want you to think about this. Jesus loves me. He loves me as an individual. He loves you as an individual. Someone wisely said many years ago, Jesus would have died for you. If you had been the only person in this whole world, Jesus would have still died for you. He said, preacher, do you believe that? I believe that with all my heart. Why? Because it took the same commitment. It took the same love. It took the same sacrifice. It took the same blood to save one as it did to save the whole world because it was infinite love, infinite blood, infinite sacrifice. There was no middle ground. He couldn't say, well, I love these a little bit. I love you a little bit more. I love them a whole lot more. No, my friend, he loved you as an individual. He loved you with all your bumps and bruises and knots and idiosyncrasies. He loved you just like you are. He loves you. That's the greatest promise in the whole world. He loves you. Not only did he love us individually, but he loved us as imperfect we gauge our love so many times on people's perfection. If they don't measure up to what we think, we love them a little or we love them a lot. We love them a little if, 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 if they don't measure up, but boy, we love them a lot. And we make excuses for the people we love and we criticize the ones we don't. But I want to tell you that's not the way it is with Jesus. And I've been thinking about that phrase that's been here for so long and been a blessing to all of us so long, making much of Jesus. Let me tell you something. You can't make much of Jesus and make a little of somebody else. You just can't do it. If you're making much of Jesus, you're going to make much of the ones he loves. If you're making much of Jesus, you're going to make much of this book right here. If you make much of Jesus, you're going to make, make much of this church that he died for. Amen. I mean, that's the whole point. If we make much of Jesus, that affects every part of our life. He loves us as imperfect. None of us are perfect, but He loves us the way we are as an individual. He loves us as imperfect. He knew what we were, yet He loved us anyway. He loves us as in, invaluable. I want to tell you, I want to read this to you. Maydell's mother wrote a little poem we have it, it's been in, what's that called? Cross-stitch, it's cross-stitch. We have it in one of the rooms at our house. Listen to this, the depth of this just grips my soul. This is a prayer from the heart of one who's looked into the face of Jesus. Her mother wrote it. Perfect you, imperfect me. I rest my tear-stained soul on thee, content at last to cast my sinful self on sinless you. Immortal you, 
and mortal me, I see beyond the stress to be and glory in the matchless love that draws my loveless self to lovely you. Imperfect me, perfect you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. My friend, every one of us in Jesus' sight is a little one. We're not much. Our strength is nothing in compared to his strength. Our wisdom is nothing in comparison to his wisdom. Our power is nothing in comparison with his power. I'm glad today that he loves us. You say, preacher, what can I do? What should I do with this kind of love? I believe there are three things real quickly. Number one, I think we ought to respond to it. The Bible says we love him because what? He first loved us. I mean, how can you reject that kind of love? I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, when we preach, when preachers preach up here, what are we doing? We're laying a trail of blood down the aisle so that people can come to the one who died on the cross for them. I don't know how you turn away from that kind of love. I've seen children who've been disrespectful to their parents. Many times they're disrespectful to their parents, not because of what their parents have done, but because of how they did it. They didn't like the way they did something. They didn't like the way they said something. They didn't like the way they act. And so they turned aside from them. But folks, how can you turn aside from Jesus? He's never done anything wrong. He's always done it right. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. What's my first privilege? I can respond to his love. Secondly, I can respect his love. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me. Boy, my commandments are not given as something mean, but they're given to help. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then we can reflect his love. He said, as I have loved you, love each other. We can reflect his love. Jesus loves you. You say, Pastor, I need his love. Well, don't be like the old pond back on the backside of a farm. One time, a man told the story of a, going back on the backside of a farm, walking back with an old farmer. He looked back there and there was an old pond there and it was a sorry looking thing. Man, it was green scum all over, just, just terrible. And he, and he kind of, he said, boy, that's a, that's a bad looking spot. And the old farmer said, hadn't always been that way. He said, it hadn't. He said, no. He said, the river used to run along by here and a little old creek ran right through this thing and, and that little tributary and it, it washed it out. And he said, as long as that creek ran through this little pond and it just flowed right on through, he said, the water here was sparkling. There was fish that lived in it and it was a wonderful little pond. But he said, the river's been down so low for the last couple of years now that the little creek hadn't been able to run in. And so there's been nothing running in and nothing running off, just sort of wash water coming down in there. And what's happened is there's no way for it to get out, so it's just sort of stagnated right here. It's just sort of stayed right where it is. The fellow that was looking at it began to think, my, how my heart can be like that. When God, the fountain of all love, wants to let his love flow through me, through me, through me, through me. And if I stop it up, 
and I don't let his love throw, flow through me. I can become, my heart can become just like that old stagnant pond covered over with scum and with, with all the things that, that begin to stink inside. And the man said, well, what would happen? What's going to happen here? He said, oh, one of these days, one of those old rains going to come. One of these days, the clouds are going to break loose around here and the river's going to rise. And when the river rises, the water's going to start flowing again. And when the water starts flowing again, he said, it's going to wash his old pond out and it'll be sweet again. Boy, wouldn't that, that must have been what the songwriter was talking about when he wrote, there shall be showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Oh God, let the rain fall into my soul. Let me knock out all the things that would block it up. I want to respond. I want to receive his love, but I want to reflect his love too. You say, preacher, why are we trying to do this? I'd like for every little boy and girl, everyone who walks through this building to be able to say, these folks in this church love boys and girls. This Jesus loves boys and girls. I wish I almost sometimes... You think about folks who can't hear. Sometimes you wonder, Lord, would it be better if you just couldn't hear because they, they never would hear a critical word. Well, sometimes you wonder, would it be better if we couldn't even see because, because they never would see something that somebody did to somebody else to hurt and harm. Ah, oh, but how much better it is when we can hear, but what we hear are those who praise the Lord and lift Him up and kind words and kind voices and those things are coming. How much better it is when we can see and we see around us those who are trying to honor God and the old Bible is brought out and read and lived and, and shared. Oh, how much better it is when we're a part of that which is whole. Why, preacher? Because Jesus loves us. Jesus, the greatest person. Jesus loves the greatest power. Jesus loves me, the greatest promise. Let's bow our heads together. I wonder today how many in this room would say, Preacher, I am a Christian. I know I'm a Christian. Jesus is my Savior. It's been a long time since I've given you an opportunity to share that, but you'd say, I thank Him for loving me. And I'm not ashamed of Jesus, and I'm not ashamed of what He's done, and I'm glad He's my Savior. No one looking around, just between you and me and God. And you'd say, I know I'm saved. Would you slip up your hand just as a thank you testimony today? Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I have received you as my Savior. God bless you. Isn't that wonderful just to be able to thank the Lord? The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's an expression of gratitude and appreciation. How many here would say, preacher, I love the Lord. Maybe not like I should. I do love the Lord. I've never been saved yet, but I'm interested. I want, no, I want Jesus as my Savior. I want to know Him. Please remember me in prayer. Would you slip up your hand all over this building? How many here would say this like that? Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Amen. How many others? Just so I can see it, I want to pray with you before we go. God bless you. I'm not sure that I'm saved, preacher. I'm not sure I'm a Christian this morning, but I want Jesus as my Savior. Anybody else? I want Him as my Savior. I want Him to know that I love Him and I appreciate what He's done for me. How many here would say, preacher, I am a Christian, but I am not what I ought to be as a Christian. 
And I want God to help me to be what I ought to be. I want him to forgive me for where I failed. And I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be a Christian where the love of Christ flows through. Would you slip up your hand? Let me see. God bless you and you and you and you and you and you and you all over this building. God bless you. I want Christ to flow through my life. I tell you, that's my desire today. I want Christ to flow. How many here would say, Preacher, I have a spiritual decision to make. I would just should pray with us about it. Our family or me as an individual, pray with us about the spiritual decision that's in our life. Would you, would you slip up your hand? Yes, I see several. God knows. Isn't it good? He knows. Father, all over this building, we come now, dear Holy Spirit, asking you to do what I cannot do, complete the message in the heart of the people. Lord, I pray today that you might bless. And in this time of invitation, when we invite people to come to Christ and invite people to come home and invite people to come and be a part of the church family and to go to work for God, Lord, I pray that you would help them to respond. Holy Spirit, give courage today. Give liberty, give freedom as we sing to you. Lord, please, I pray, honor the Lord Jesus in this service. In your precious name, amen.